0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is another episode of Inspiring Women, and today we are speaking with Brooke. West. She is the chief commercial officer of Karam health. This is a digital health company and Brooke has led a number of sales organizations across many different um, organizations as a senior leader in her most recent role. Brooke was responsible for building the go-to-market commercial plan at 98.6, which resulted in the acquisition of that company for, um, 3 million members in just two years. Um, She is a natural sales leader. She's done this at many different organizations. She's built very high performing teams um, across a number of different groups. She has a background in linguistics and Russian. So I don't know how those things relate to sales leadership, but Brooke is going to tell us. And Brooke, I really appreciate you being here today.
1: Lori, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Great. Well, listen, you know, Brooke, at Inspiring Women, um, the audience here just loves to hear the stories of women like you who have accomplished so much in your career. So why don't you just tell us what are you doing right now? What do you do at Karen Health?
1: Thanks, Laurie. So I'm the Chief Commercial Officer, as you mentioned, and I'm really what that means is it's a fancy word for sales. I am in charge, uh, responsible for all things sales. So growing the company and our product serves the employer market, so we are out talking to employers in, in many different ways to share the story and the value proposition of Carem Health.
0: And in doing that, you've joined just recently, right, Brooke?
1: Yes, I think I'm like nine months in or something. It's gone very, very fast. I started in September. I don't think I've slept since September 8th, but um, in the best way. <laughs> so yes, relatively new.
0: Okay. And so in terms of doing this, this this is not the first sales organization that you've, that you've led, you've led um, several others, but tell me how Russian and Russian linguistics sort of leads to sales leadership, marketing leadership, business development.
1: Oh my gosh, this, I'm having a flashback to when I was 18 years old and my mother was begging me to take a business course in college and you know, I told her, I said, "This is ridiculous. They're, I'm never getting into business, so just stop with your with your pursuit here." But of course, she was right because our mothers are usually right. I should have taken a business course. You know, the truth is that I, I love languages. I love how it's a verbal representation of culture and people. But after uh, after having that experience in college, and then I worked in Russia for a while in Moscow. I realized I didn't want to really go back, um, if I can just tell you the truth here, for my career. And my natural talents kind of started leading me to sales and marketing. So, you know, if you get me in a taxi cab with a, a Russian driver every once in a while, I can probably get home. Um, but otherwise, it's phenomenally rusty. And um, thank, thankful for some natural talent that has led the
0: rest of my career. And that that natural talent, Brooke. So you recognize some skills that you have. So what are those talents, and then how did that translate into sort of like that first job where you said, "Okay, sales, business development. This is a place that makes sense for me."
1: Well, to be honest, it was always there. So ever since I was young, I had a drive an interest in um, achieving, let's call it, from a very, very young age. In fact, I was I was inspired uh, in elementary school. So uh, Michelle Cohen from Bret Hart Elementary School in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, if you're out there, I owe a lot of my career to you. Uh, in second grade, I mean, my gosh, Michelle Cohen had the best clothes I've ever seen. She had Benetton, she had Jordache, she had it all. And, you know, we grew up, you know, in a moderate, you know, income family, we, we certainly had what we needed, but um, we didn't have extras. And so if I wanted extra things, I needed to go get it myself. Um, and I knew that at a very, very young age. I mean, I think I had my first lemonade stand in second grade. It was every Wednesday that summer at 8 a.m. And the reason why is because that was garbage day. And in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, growing up, it was very hot and humid. And those, those garbage men would show up. They would throw down a $20 bill, and they would wipe me clean of my lemonade. And uh, twenty bucks was a lot for a seven-year-old. That was really my first business and sales and marketing opportunity. But it it continued on from there. And I, when I was thirteen, I got a worker's permit from the state of Pennsylvania so that I could work. You know, for a, an actual organization. I worked fast food and I worked at a ski shop because I wanted to make money. And I wanted to go get things. So I had a drive and an ambition all throughout that was always there. And then out of college, I worked for a recruiting and staffing firm that put me out on the pavement to go drive business. And um, I could not have been more excited. I literally could not wait to make cold calls because I knew that I could drive business.
0: So Michelle Cohen is the person that sort of said, Hey, I want more financial ability, you know, so that she's the driver behind that. And then the lemonade stands is where you learn the, to hone the sales skills, but then somewhere along the line, it turned to technology and technology as a key aspect of the types of companies that you've been with. So how did you make, go into that particular avenue?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So now we're going to all age ourselves here. Meaning me, you know, it was around 97, 98. I had continued to stay in the recruiting and staffing industry. And a friend of mine told me about this, this new internet company. And it was a data center company. And I just thought, oh my God, well, what is the internet exactly? I mean, we'd kind of started to hear about it, but not really. We hadn't, it wasn't incorporated into our daily lives. I think I'd tried to quote unquote, log in and go to a website maybe once or twice before that. And it all just sounded like the new frontier. Like this was this new thing that was coming and it was gonna be huge. And I could not have been more attracted to just those concepts. And so I I remember I went and interviewed for this inside sales role. And the senior vice president asked me, uh, what do you know about the internet? And of course I knew absolutely nothing about the internet. And I just responded with questions right back. I said, my God, what's not to know? You know, and I just, you know, it was like, it's going to be huge, you know, and I was just, I left that, that interview going, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I think, um, you know, my energy and excitement um, was kind of all that they were looking for.
0: I think there's a lot to be said for enthusiasm and being curious and doesn't, I mean, not bluffing, but literally just saying that there's a lot more to be learned here and I'm excited about that. That's often the start of you know a great career trajectory Women, though, in sales, women in technology sales specifically, you know, in terms of the numbers, it's about 25% is the numbers that I have seen. And the more you move up the ladder, the numbers from, again, statistics tend to decline for women specifically. Brooke, what's your experience? Well, clearly, I'm one of the
1: ones that have gone up. I think that for me personally, I just, I don't think I knew that I couldn't do something you know, in thinking about doing this interview with you, Lori, I did a lot of reflection on like, why is that? That I didn't know I couldn't do something. And I'm not sure I've gotten there. I probably need to have several, you know, therapy sessions to get to the root of it. But for me, I just never knew I couldn't. And so I just kept going and going and going. And I wasn't intimidated. I'm still not intimidated. I think that all of us humans, we're all the same. And that you know, we are literally just doing the same things. We all have insecurities and fears and confidence about certain things. And, you know, I just kept going. I think that for a lot of women, is it is about confidence and, you know, trying to figure out their place in this world and maybe getting intimidated. And I think it does take just sitting with yourself and asking what you want and why you shouldn't have it and why you shouldn't just go for it everybody in this world is, is scared. Everybody in this world comes with, you know, insecurities and fears, but it takes courage. It's, it's being scared, but going for it anyway.
0: So you didn't see differences, nor did you have um, obstacles just because of gender, which is fantastic. And so that is, that is really um, helpful to hear. In terms of the teams that you build, and both here at Care and Health, as well as others, is it equal in terms of the gender differentiation? Is it are, is, are women more in the few? What, what are you seeing?
1: I would say that historically, it's been fairly split. As I reflect on the teams that I've built over time, male, female, right now it skews slightly more female, um, but it's certainly not by design. Uh, For me, what I look for in hiring, do you believe? I've always said, you know, give me a believer over a non believer, and I will take lack of experience, you know, over anything. Because if you believe, anything's possible. So do you believe? Are you coachable? Is there evidence of hustle? And can you get through hard things? That's what I look for, you know, above experience and education, certainly experience and education could be threaded into, you know, belief and evidence of hustle and can you get through hard things but that's the fabric, those are the things that are the fabric uh, that makes you know a successful sales
0: professional. Fantastic. And, and and Brooke, in that, you know, in your own career progression, you've been at a lot of different companies. Like yeah. Just look at your um, background, looks like 10 different companies over, you know, twice as many um, years. Why all the moves? I, to give us a little bit of the sense of, you know, why did you move from one to the other? Um, and it seems like the majority of these positions fall in the realm of sales and business development. Clearly, you're passionate about that space.
1: Yeah, there's no question. That's where I'm supposed to be. Um, why do I move? So I would say it's it's again it's around belief. So you've either stopped believing in something, or you believe in something else more. You know, believe that it's more of the right thing can have more of an impact on the human race. So I'll tell you. Two companies ago, I worked for an electronic health record company that sold into the Medicaid space, delivering a behavioral health focused electronic health record. And it was the first time I dipped my toe in the healthcare waters. And I didn't know, at that point, I did not know that I was missing it until I had it. And that was being able to impact the human race. You know, prior to that, I always believed in what I was selling, but it was, you know, some sort of utility or certainly it was a good product or service. I wouldn't have gone to the company if I didn't believe in it, but this time um, I really believed and I had now purpose to what I was selling. I wasn't just, you know, performing cashectomies and contributing to the tax base by virtue of what I was doing, but I was impacting a human life by virtue of getting to do what I love to do, sales and marketing, in technology and it you know it bit me quite a bit and I've been in healthcare ever since and I don't think I'll ever leave.
0: So being in the space and and sort of, and, and being tied to, you know, what the products are, the space that you're in, that you're adding value. And I really do believe that if you are in sales, that you, you know, the best people in sales really do believe in the product that they're selling. It's not just the um, skills of a salesperson, the actual, like being, being tied in some way is particularly helpful, but with moves, you know, in sales, usually there's a financial incentive people, and you've already said that you know financial motivation is important to you that makes a lot of sense just being a sales professional and leader in all these different moves has it always been a career advancement move for you have you taken lateral moves have you taken different types of roles to change course give us some sense for that brooke
1: yeah great question so except for one time it's always been up in the form of level and or responsibility i did go lateral one time Uh, because it was a shift to a new market. And I'll tell you, Laurie, I would not do that again. You know, learning a new market is academic. And I have proven that I can do that many, many times, learn a new market. So, you know, in retrospect, I, I should have known my worth and demanded more in terms of that role. I got scared. I didn't have confidence. I couldn't go in and say, I know this market cold. But what I did know was sales. I do know sales cold. And could do it with my eyes blindfolded. So learning this new market was just an academic effort.
0: And women always ask, or seem to seem to ask, or have questions about knowing your worth. So given given that you should you say that, Brooke, that you should have known your worth. What what does that mean to you? I mean, how how would you have known that in retrospect? Hindsight is always um, clearer than um, than current state. How would you have known that? That'd be really helpful for the listeners here.
1: You know, I, I don't know if I, I would have known that. I mean, I, I, was, I was nervous about learning a new market. I was intimidated by it. So I, I think I had to learn that lesson in my career life. In fact, it helped me with another role where I won't share which role exactly, but they wanted to offer me something lower title-wise and level-wise. And uh, I put my foot down very, very hard. And I told the recruiters, I said, if this is their decision, um, I'm out. I have other opportunities. I have the experience, I know what I can do and I'm not taking anything less than what I'm worth because I knew that if I did, I'd be starting a role feeling sick to my stomach that I didn't believe in myself. And it'd be starting off on the wrong foot and it would just unravel in a super negative way. I don't know if you've heard this story. It's kind of one of those stories that's floated around on social media but about a father giving his daughter a car for graduation. And uh, it was a used car, and he told her to go to three different places to get the car valued. You know, one was like a junkyard, one was a, a you know used car place, and one was a, a fancy you know collector's car kind of a place. And she got three different quotes, and they were all completely different and varied. And you know, the moral of the story is, you know, go with the highest offer. Go where you are most valued. If you're going to go somewhere where you know from the beginning. Um, You know, and they know that you're not all recognizing your value together, it's going to unravel negatively.
0: Well, I think that that is um, great advice. And when you are in a search or, you know, having to evaluate opportunities, knowing that and being strong in putting your foot down, as you say, Brooke, is just, I think, fantastic advice um, for listeners. Have you ever made a bad choice? Have you ever um, walked away? from a choice and then regretted it later? Any, any stories like that?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be human if I said, no, I've never done that. <laughs> of course I've done that. Yes, I've, <laughs> I've definitely done that. So um, one time, uh, two, two different times I'll, I'll mention. Um, one was I went to Microsoft. This was a million years ago. Shame on them, shame on me. That was an interview process that did not vet the right result. I should not have gone there. I'm not a big company kind of a gal. And um, so I stayed there as long as I could stand it, which was five months. Um, so I recognized it very, very quickly for another time. I'll share with you the stories that that got me to that decision so quickly. They're probably not appropriate for this podcast. They're very funny, but, um, <laughs> but I did do it another time and I recognized it very, very quickly. And quite frankly, I took my grandmother's advice, which, you know, the quote from my grandmother that I just love is whatever decision you make in life, it will be the right one because you will make it the right one. So I embraced this decision. Um, I gave it my all and I found ways to make it work for myself and extract experiences that were going to help me get my next career chapter. So, you know, in case it's not obvious, I'm, I'm referencing when I took a lateral move um, and that was a mistake, but I figured out a way to extract experiences that could help me charter that next career chapter.
0: In terms of Brooke now making those choices, and getting established in a new new job, which you've done several times and having the clear awareness that you're moving up um, into whatever the next position might be. How do you go about establishing yourself um, in a new role? And as a leader, how do you go about sort of establishing yourself with your team and building out your teams? Love some perspective there. Yeah, it's, it's
1: trust is everything. Um, that's not new. I think I over-rotate on communication and asking for feedback. So I'll give you some examples. In my current role, I did this because I'm, I'm essentially tasked with scaling the founder sale. This has very, the, the Karam has had like ridiculous success all on the shoulders of our two co-founders. And so now it's my role to, to take it and, and scale it. You know, they're essentially handing over their baby to me. And that's, you got to build trust. And so I incorporated a playbook of just over-rotating on communication, you know, summarizing the meeting proactively to say, do I have all of this right? Are we aligned that this is the approach? This is what I learned. This is the summary. This is the approach going forward. Does everybody agree with this? Okay, great. So, you know, over-rotating on communication to build that trust so that everybody knows, you know, you've got it. And then doing the same thing with your teams, over-rotating on communication as it relates to expectation setting and feedback along the way so that everybody's aligned. It's really the only way to get it done.
0: And then Brooke, in terms of also building out your own professional career and your skills as as a leader, along the way, you've given me a couple examples of good coaching advice that you've received from your mother, from your grandmother, Um, any other sort of like professional advice from mentors that you've received that has specifically resonated with you? Have you ever received bad advice that you either took or ignored um, that shaped your trajectory?
1: Oh boy. You know, I had a mentor a long, long time ago who kicked me out of my own nest. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was a very successful individual sales rep, individual contributor. And I always thought, you know, back in my younger years, like, why would I go into management? It's so much work. People frustrate me. I can move faster and more efficiently than anybody. I'm going to make more money than anybody. Why would I take on more? And I had a mentor tell me it's time to grow your career and it's time to move forward and kick me out of my own nest. And so I started managing a team and I, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. Maybe it's the mama bear in me. I don't know. But it was the right thing to do. So that was phenomenal advice from a professional kind of female exec crew that I look to. I'll be honest, I'm thrilled that you have this podcast, Lori, because I need some more outlets. Um, I want to find others to help grow me and inspire me. So I'm kind of on the hunt a little bit.
0: For what? For other mentors, for other allies who can help grow your skills? Give us a little bit more on that.
1: Yes, 100%. So I'm looking for inspiration and mentorship for you know female execs that have gone before me. And um, you know can can kind of be a partner for me going
0: forward. Well, what I like about that, Brooke, is that I think with so many accomplished, inspiring women, um, they're always looking to continue to grow in their own development. So there's never an end state, no matter what stage you are in your career journey. And that's just a really excellent point. As we close out this conversation, and I'm loving talking to you, Brooke. This is so much fun. Any sort of like last pearls of wisdom that you've learned, you know, over your years that you might want to leave with listeners.
1: Oh my gosh. Well. Believe even if you don't, you know, have the courage, acknowledge being scared, having some fear, but go for it anyway. Don't let it stop you. And if you think that others aren't doing the same thing, you're wrong. Every single person out there is scared, has insecurities, has fear. So find comfort and validation that you're not alone, but don't
0: ever let it stop you. Just keep driving, keep pushing forward. Brooke, this has been an excellent conversation. This has been an Inspiring Women episode with Brooke West from the lemonade stand to a high growth digital health company. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Brooke, thank you so much. Thanks, Lori. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.